Um, okay, so we've, we've looked at the pusher. Uh, now we move into the obvious one, which is the battery, which is the, the top battery, which is the, the trapper, the stick trapper, uh, and obviously whoever's drag, hitting and drag, flicking. Um, are you using it? Do you use the standard? The stand, what do you use a stick trapper or do you just use them? How, how do you? How do you go? Yeah, so we call it, you guys call it a battery. We call it a castle um, over here. <laughs> so we basically have a stopper, you know, the traditional hitter or drag flicker, whatever. And then we've got our back, our kind of backup stopper who just stands at the back in case the ball doesn't get trapped. Um, so, yeah, I use, I, I prefer to use a traditional stick stopper, but if she if if we don't have one in the team some lower teams don't have one because it's obviously a skill that needs to be learned um and then so then it just becomes that it's actually like a fake stopper sometimes so they stand there ready to stop but as soon as the ball comes they just lift the stick and stand back and let the the hitter or the drag flicker whatever well not the drag flicker the hitter do their thing um so yeah i do i do like to use a traditional stopper and then um, a hitter like if, if I do have a drag flicker in the team I actually prefer to have a stopper a hitter and a drag flicker set up with with the back the backup stopper um, so that it's not so obvious that a drag flick is coming or hit is coming or whatever uh, how important is it that um, the stopper and the uh, and the hitter or the drag flicker is simpatico at the top oh they need to be like they need to be those people that can communicate without actually using words. Um, they need to be that in sync because if the stopper, for example, stops the ball and taps it in, but the pusher, I mean, the hitter doesn't like it tapped in, or if the push out does come skew, they need to be able to move as one unit to readjust to stop the ball and whatever. So they need to, yeah, they need to be extremely in sync with each other and um what other roles are you once you get past those obviously those those three roles are hugely important because that's the whole the whole battery or castle as you say that's the whole thing uh without them hmm. one will break down what other roles are important in a corner for, in an attacking corner for you what are the other so i prefer to keep shorties and my shorty strategies quite simple um where I think that some teams overcomplicate their shorties and that's what ends up with them having a terrible conversion rate with their shorties. So I like to keep it quite simple. I've got a left slip, which is obviously the person on the left, but they're quite, quite deep. Um, and then I've got a right slip who some teams use a right slip as a second castle um, but I don't make a whole castle there. I just literally have the person standing there as the right slip. And then we've got your posty running, uh, far post. So that's basically my setup with, a, with, with my normal castle. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't like to overcomplicate it. So, you know, that allows me enough options for shorties, whether it goes straight to the person at left slip and it gets slapped far post, um, with the person running far post and another person running to P spot for deflections, whether it goes to top D and then they do what we call a ziggy. So it basically means 
the person at the top, so at the castle, would slip it to your right slip. Your right slip receives it, um, draws the the third wave off of P-spot and slips it back into the middle to the person from castle who's run a little bit in and then, you know, a flick, a flick gets off there. Um, you know, you've got lots of, there's lots of different ones where sometimes instead of it going back to the person in the middle, they fake and it goes all the way through to left slip, you know, and then left slip picks it up and, and the one year we actually had a drag flicker who then she would pick it up at left slip and drag flick it from there, which was quite cool. So you, you also, it depends a lot on the skill that you have in your team and what different people can do. If you've got someone that, you know, is really good at flicking, a normal flick, then you would utilize something like a Ziggy quite a lot. Um, we actually have one, which is really funny, um, in my team that I play for. And we found it works brilliantly. We call it a poofter, <laughs> which... <laughs> it's not an English word, <laughs> but basically, you know, very loosely translated, it just means like really terrible. So what we do is we push it out to top D and we literally give a, it's like a terrible flick, but it's more like a pop where it literally bounces super slowly and lands just in front of the goalie. And she basically has no choice but to close her feet like this and trap it in her feet. And so as soon as the push out goes, everyone, left slip, right slip, um, uh, deflection runner, whoever, posty, and the pusher, we all just rush the goalie. And as she has trapped it in her feet, we just basically pull it out and pop it in. So that one's really funny um, to see work. And it works. It's scary how much it actually works. So, yeah, I went totally off. I just started talking about shorties completely there. Sorry. We were talking about the setup. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Variations are part of it. I, I know, I know that uh, I'm, I'm sure that you've got variations. I know that I've got about 15 or 16 in my, uh, mm. in my, in my files, but I probably only would ever use three or four in a game, if, if, if that, depending on how, um, I suppose, yeah. depending on how well things are going. If we're, if we're comfortably in front, if we're four or five goals up, then I might start bringing out all Yes, you start bringing out those unconventional ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're, we're only... And the interesting thing about shorties is that you can make small changes to a traditional shorty and it would confuse the heck out of defenders, you know, where, you know, for example, instead of slipping, instead of the hitter slipping the ball to the left themselves... You know, the pusher stops it and slips it to them with her grip of her stick, you know. And that alone confuses the defence um, quite a bit compared to the normal, the traditional way. So it's it's interesting. It depends on how creative you can be as a team and as a coach um, with utilising different little skills. Well, yeah, you're right, because sometimes it's just a simple matter of, um, uh, yeah, it's a simple matter of a slight change in the variation does the job. Uh, I know one year I had it was coaching a team and we had we had a drag flick and we didn't use her all year in that capacity until we got to the second last game before the finals. And the only reason we did it on that occasion was because the coach that I knew we'd be playing against in the grand final was sitting up in the grandstand. And I just wanted mm. to demonstrate to him that we had that in our we had that in our arsenal. And yeah. uh, it worked because they started preparing for the drag flick, expecting us to pull it out every single time. We didn't use it. 
once in the grand final, the grand final the and but their defense reacted accordingly as if we were going to do that and then didn't have and then using that as a tactic and strategy from a penalty corner point of view once the defense had planned for that and were reacting that way then they couldn't readjust so it is important it is yeah, penalty corners are, aren't they? They're a tactic and strategy thing as much as they're, um, you know, a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what conversion rate are you wanting? You know, I've always said that I always aim for somewhere between 55 and 60% per game. Uh, whether, we ever low, attain, whether we ever attain that... Um, well, they're asking for that 60 65% at international level is what they're asking for. Um, I yeah. expect I expect 80%. Man, convert those shorties. Really? Yeah. Why not? It's literally a penalty corner. A penalty. Penalty. Like, it's not that hard. You're, you're literally, you've got a free hit against four people yeah. running out at you yeah. and a goalie. That's right. That's right. You know, like, it's, that's what I'm saying. People overcomplicate it, and it's not that complicated. You have a free shot at goal with the only rule is that the ball must leave the, leave the D before you can hit, and that the ball, unless it's a drag flick, has to hit the backboard. Otherwise, you can do as you please. You know? Yeah. So, and the pressure's not on you because you have nothing to lose. They have a goal to lose in a way, the defence. You know? They are the ones that have to defend you. So, okay, yes, you've got a goal to lose as well. You've got a penalty to lose. But you are the ones that know the strategy that you're using to get the ball into the back of the box. The defense are the ones that are playing the guessing game, trying to read your setup, trying to read this, trying to read that. So you have the advantage. Yeah. I just feel like, I mean, just put the ball in the back of the box. It's not that there you hard. Have, folks. Simone has said that uh, 80% is the conversion rate she wants her teams running at. Um so she's countering every single international coach out there that's asking for 60 or 65%. She's even countering <laughs> me who's asking for 60 or 65. So there you go. So um uh well it makes sense. It makes sense. You get you get uh you've got to you look at it this way, don't you? You get uh say you get four penalty corners in a game, you score three. Uh you're gonna probably win most games with a scoreline of three-nil anyway. So exactly. I mean, last week um, in the league here in, in well in my in my city at least, um, the well my team is the best, and then the second team, <laughs> the second team was playing against um, one of the much yeah like it it was an easy game for them to win, and one of my players umpired the game. Oh, not one of my players, one of my teammates. I'm part of the game. And she just told us afterwards, like, you know, they won 3-0 against a team that comes, you know, second to last in the league. When they come, they are battling for gold normally. You know, they won 3-0 and they had about 30 short corners that they just, you know, couldn't score from. And it's just like, oh, 
shame. That's frustrating. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I don't know why people aren't scoring from shorties. It's, it's, and, and maybe it's because I've got the mindset of a striker because I am a striker myself, a forward, you know, where I'm like, it's, it's very easy. It's so easy. You know, I don't know if it's that, but I just feel like you should be, you should be converting shorties. Well, it's what you say. It's a complicated, people complicate it probably more than they need to. Um, I yeah. always used to say to my teams, I don't know how, what you think of this, but I always used to say to my teams, right, we're just going to go for a standard hit with the first one. Uh, let's get the first one. Often you do that just to see how they run. You just do a normal standard, simple, straight beat hit. And um, once you've done that, that's when then your left and your right slip know they can be the ones that stand and actually watch Okay, how do they run up? Do they use a two-two? Do they use a one-two? You know, one whatever, whatever. And then you can kind of strategize from there. I was actually thinking when was I thinking about it last night? I think I was, or the night before that. I can't remember. I was thinking, is that strategy that we use and that is never really second guessed? Is that maybe playing it safe because everyone does it? So mm. the first shorty, everyone always expects straight beat. So the first wave just runs straight because she knows that's what it's probably going to be, you know. So maybe we should not play it so safe and potentially, like I was thinking for Martin this weekend, none of the none of the opponents will be watching, hopefully, though. <laughs> but, you know, where instead of doing a normal straight beat, the push goes straight to the left slip. And, you know, we do a far post deflection, the first one. Just to confuse them a bit, you know, why not? Why write the first shorty off to analyzing what the opponents do instead of taking the opportunity? You've only, you've got the opportunity, so take it. Then you're already at a hundred percent conversion rate. If you give away your first shorty as an analysis shorty, you're already at a zero percent conversion rate. You know. True. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. You know, it's it is something it is, you never really. It's, you just go with the norm. It is an interesting one. Um. In terms of the the the, the full uh, battery or castle, as you call it, mm. what who are the positions? Who are the players on the field that are in it? Are you just ha are, is it just a preset scenario, or you're actually? Well, because I like to coach that everyone can do everything. I don't mind, you know. For example three of my defense. I'm a very optimistic coach. I'm a very attacking coach. I don't ever, I barely ever would play defensively. You yeah. know? So with that in mind, some coaches are scared to put three of their four defenders in the short corner because what if there's a counterattack? Well, that's a what if. You know, if you're good at your shorties, there shouldn't be a counterattack. Yeah. So I... Uh, you know, I will select my shorty lineup depending on who can do what. If it turns out, if it so turns out that all four of my defenders are in the shorty, because most of the time your center half or your sweeper are the ones with the strongest flat hit in the team. Most of the time, you know, strikers normally can do these, we can do these wow top corner hits, you know, but flat hits, yeah, we're not that good at that. So, <laughs> So normally it's your sweep or your center half, you know? Um, so, yeah, if I have to put all four of my defenders in my, in my attacking shorty, I'll do that. And then my links or whoever's not in the shorty 
knows how they set up on the halfway. And people always forget about that. If everyone just stands in a straight line along the halfway, why? Rather, because some, sometimes, like I know for my, for my own team, we play it that when we have a, um, a defensive shorty or if we're defending a shorty, two of the strikers drop all the way to, the, to our attacking baseline. And that's for the um, for the counter attack, you know. So you drop some. So, you, so normally I've got like four left. There's six in my shorty, and then four left defenders. So then they will be the two will drop deep, you know, like maybe to our defensive twenty five ish or so, and then two will stand on the halfway to kind of defend the mid the midfield if there is a counter attack. Yeah. And are they playing any role? Those guys back there, are they are they that are not in it? Are they giving instruction? They traditionally they don't. They just are there for the counter attack or you know to be aware of the other players. If if we do, for example, hear that and the defensive team takes a very quick sixteen or something like that, there are some you know shorties that or some coaches, and I would be one of these coaches that would do this, you know, it would be one of those unconventional stories that you were part when you're winning with five goals or something, where the push would come out and the whole castle would leave the push, you know, and it would be someone that's sprinting from the halfway, receiving it, you know, and giving a solid shot into the D for deflections or something like that, just to throw the, the four defenders off a bit, you know. They could play a role like that, Um Obviously, when there's no time left, the entire team goes up to the shorty. And then you've got like five castles happening all at once because all of these other people are excited they're part of the shorty now. So, yeah, there is that um, as well. Yeah, it's there's a possibility for them to be involved. There's no rules saying there can only be this many people involved in an attacking short corner. So, Well, that is important, isn't it? You've got to try and lock it in particularly mm-hmm. if, it's, if there's no time left. You've got to try and lock it in because as soon as it comes out past past the, the and outside the D, that's it, game done, dusted, over. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, how important is it to make sure that your corner battery and your corner castles know that not everyone needs to go in? Some of you actually need to stay outside, not, not on the periphery of the D, um, in order to lock the ball... Yeah, so definitely if, if we're talking about, you know, the last where there's no time left on the board and there's, it's that last shorty that you've got, then those other four defenders that would normally be, you know, hanging quite deep come in and basically make a pocket around the outside of the D. So basically like on the five-yard line where they would be stopping the ball from possibly going out or if the first wave does get a touch on the ball – there to stop the ball before it goes too far that the that the shorty is then you know null and void or whatever mm. um yeah no some people forget about that forget about thinking about what happens when if the ball does go past you know so yeah and we've talked about this already but you know um how unconventional can you get oh you can get super unconventional and this is where I love it because I am a crazy, unconventional person on a whole. And so when I when I am given the opportunity to be unconventional, I'll go for it. There's some where you can literally, I mean, I've seen shorties where they basically did a miniature trough 
<laughs> around the top of the D. And eventually, all of the waves had stepped, you know, somewhere. And there was this massive hole in the middle of the D. And then they just stepped it into the middle. And there was, you know, so much time for the person to pick it up and do it properly and whatever. So you can get super unconventional. It just depends on how, basically, how ballsy you want to be as a coach and as a team. Well, you know, we've done, I've done some unconventional things over the time. I once, once had the entire battery other than the person who was going to hit the ball run the other way towards halfway. I remember the one time, and this is my matric year at school, we, it was our final game of the tournament. We were at some tournament. And we were winning, you know, and we decided, no, we're going to do like a cool shorty. So everyone, literally everyone, everyone, there was the pusher and everyone else involved in the shorty stood on top D in one straight line behind each other. Literally just a straight line. And then as soon as the push came out, we all fanned out to where we needed to go. Yes, I thought that, that was quite cool. Done that, but done yeah. that group at the top. You know, they're all standing yeah. around like they're in the huddle before the before the corner. The other one I've I've had in the had in the back pocket that we use we I've used once before was that we set a second battery up actually inside the inside the D, uh, over near okay. the over near the right post. Um, mm. And what we'll do at the last minute is, you know, push them left all the time, push the defence one way all the time for a period of time, set it up, put it to there, and then they actually flick it in on the angle um, from there. So that that has worked, but you, that requires a lot of pushing them one way, pushing the defence yeah. one way for a long yeah. period of time before you can you you can actually get that set up because you've got to get space to set it up because that's got to move in. Um, so yeah. you can be unconventional. Um, how are you communicating what you want? Now, obviously, as a coach, you're on the sidelines. Different coaches do it differently. I've used everything from everything from hand signals to spoke signals to God knows what in the past. Um, often now, I've I've left it to the attack to actually figure it out on the run because they they're the best ones out there to see it. How are you telling you to your attacking battery? How are you getting the instruction on which variation you want them to be using out to them? So this this depends a lot on the uh, experience of the team that I'm that I'm coaching. If there is a experienced player that I trust to make the right call when it comes to a shorty, I'll leave it up to them. Um, obviously, you know you nickname your shorties either one two three four or you know orange yellow purple black you know whatever. In, I mean, in high school, the kid, I remember we, we used some, to come we up with some weird ones. Oh, weird, 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 weird names. Yeah. So, um, you know, and some of the names stick, like I said, like Ziggy. But if you call your shorty Ziggy, everyone knows what you're going to do. So you change it up and you call it something else. Anyways, yeah. So it depends on the, on the experience of your team that you're coaching. I feel um, I would like I've got a team that I'm coaching at the moment that's not too experienced playing in a club at a club level. You know, so then I take control most of the time and call the shorties. Um, but also I let them, you know, if they feel let's do this, then I say, okay, cool, let's do it. You know, um, oh yeah, it depends on the match situation as well. If you are, you know, five goals up, you allow the kids to have, have some fun, you know, and say, so okay, do whatever you want. And it's actually quite hilarious to see what they come up with. Um, it is. Yeah, so... 
Well, I've used I've used various ways of doing it. As I say, hand signals. I was making a joke, viewers, when I said smoke signals. You know, <laughs> but but that's how sometimes you think. Oh, well, if you see green smoke, we're doing shorty number two. If you see orange smoke, <laughs> and if you see white see smoke, that. we're just elected. As they say, and if you see white smoke, I've just been elected pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things we did once, and I remember I did it once, was and I don't understand. I, 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 for the life of me, can never remember which was the team and why they did this and why they came up with this. But they came up with a language that I had to use for short corners. And one of the callouts was I, I would stand on the sidelines and yell out "flippity floppity floopity doopity" or something of that nature. But one of the words in it actually told them what it was. The surrounding okay. they had no clue. No one had any clue. The problem is, yeah. is we had to change the words around because people started to figure. <laughs> now, what's the order? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I know in South Africa, when we play against a touring side from overseas, for example, we will all speak Afrikaans. You know, so yeah, that to, the only problem with that they is don't understand. You so you use that's the nice thing with international games. You you can use you know the language barriers that there are, but yeah, for local games, you've got to be a little bit more creative than that. There's only one problem with that, and that's what happened. That's what happens when there's a someone who can speak the language in the opposition, as the Japanese know, team during as life. the Japanese team during the FHE Cup. Uh, competition I was coaching with with a group of girls a couple of years ago found out when we had a, a, a member in the team that could speak fluent Japanese they thought they were good they were okay they were speaking in Japanese and this particular little girl turned around and said I heard that and they looked with a stunned look on their faces and said yeah okay we can't do that anymore uh, we can't communicate that way in the corner battery anymore uh, yeah because she knows what we're saying. So they had to make some quick changes. Um, but that, yeah, you're right. There is a language barrier there that can be utilised if, 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 um, if you're creative. But again, I would always, I suppose you should always say to coaches too, don't get too creative because you might. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. If you overcomplicate it too much, then it can be, it can do more harm than good. Sometimes the best way to do it is if you happen, I suppose the best way to do it is if you happen to be one of your defenders is in the corner as they're running up, they run to you on the sideline. Because they run got, to the coach, yes. So it is another way to do got it. A yeah. bit of, they've got a little bit of time. People don't realise how much time they've actually got. Um, that's mm. an important factor too. Uh, would you be saying to your teams, make sure they actually take the number of seconds they've actually got? I, I often see that happen with they, they... also there's a fine line for me between overthinking something and preparing for it so i say yes don't rush the shorty but at the same time don't stand so long that you end up overthinking what you're going to do true true well uh, you know we're looking at the attacking side and then you've mm -hmm. obviously got the opposite end of that you've got the defensive side of it now this is a little bit different in the sense that you've you've obviously got uh, a very specific set of requirements in the battery um, and every role is very different um, in the sense that, you know, you've got your posts, you've got your runners. Um, so in this case, what are you in each of the setups? What are you doing? Your first runner, what are you looking for there in terms of what they can First do? wave obviously needs to be fast. <laughs> so like a sprinter or someone, but, but there's a mistake that, 
is slowly being rectified now and becoming a norm for people to coach their straight their first runners their first waves that you know, we call them waves by the way i don't know if you guys call them that too but anyways so what the the problem with the first wave is often that she will just sprint and end up sprinting straight through yeah that does and happen. so the castle will literally just wait for her to get to them and pull her one way like she's diving into a tackle like a defender so my sprinter, I mean, my first wave needs to be fast, but needs to have breaks, if I can say it like that. They need to be able to stop themselves when they get to the top or just before the top, you know, so that they aren't just eliminated too easily. Second and third wave, they just need to really be people that are aware, so awareness, um, but also they need to have a certain sense of defense, mm. Um and yeah, stepping ability because they need to step for the slips really. And then my fourth wave. Now, funny enough, in South Africa, if if there's a girl that plays cricket, nine times out of ten, she is a hockey player as well. Right. So most of the time, when I have a cricketer in my team, I put her as fourth wave because she ends up standing far post and the cricketing ability of stopping a ball that's flying at you and batting it away um, is uh, utilized well on the post. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually really funny. And I was so angry in the moment, but I laughed afterwards uh, two weeks ago when my team played my, so the cricketer in our team used to be a goalkeeper and she has just recently decided just for fun. Cause we are in a low league anyway, she doesn't want to be a goalie anymore. She wants to come play out. So I was like, okay, cool. So I put her as fourth wave on far post, yep. you know, because she's got the goalie reflexes. She's a cricketer. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Varachis, we're playing. And they had they took a shot, went far post. She doesn't use her stick. She saves it like she's a goalie with her foot. <laughs> well, at least she stopped from going in. As long as she no, was that public because oh, she's behind the goalie. Oh, she was behind the goalkeeper. Yeah, I was that, like, that, that's a, oh, that's a coach gosh, I shouted so hectically at her because I said to her before the match, just don't try and be a goalie. She's like, I'm really going to try. Yeah, but actually she goes and does it. I was like, ach, no. Ach, no. Well, she would have been fine if you if you pulled your goalie. She would have been okay, but... um. Anyway, no. yeah, and then she's like, "Oh, my foot is really sore now." I was like, "Yeah, well, duh." <laughs> yeah, that's the coach killing moment. I've had those. I've had those occur. I've had those moments occur. Um, how? What role does the goalkeeper play for you in in choosing who's in it? The goalkeeper plays a role in choosing the defence. Who's in the corner battery? Does your goalkeeper play that role? Or? I take her opinion into consideration, but she doesn't take control over who's in it. Just because I just take her opinion into consideration because of what she prefers. If she prefers to have the straight beat or the straight shot left for her and no one, you know, running it or whatever, then I'll take that into consideration to keep her comfortable. You know, if she prefers, you know, a certain part of the post or whatever, whatever, I take that into consideration to keep her comfortable um, while still remembering or keeping in mind, you know, my own 
knowledge and whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, and and in terms of uh, a goalkeeper hit my deck going down. Um, no, I, don't go down. Don't go down. You know, like the idea. I know that. I know that it's a sh- in a shorty. The ball can't hit the, it can't go into the net unless it's a drag flick. But don't go down. My goalie, I prefer my goalie to never, ever, 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 ever go down. It does add a dimension. It does add a little bit of a problem. Yeah. I, I remember in school, before drag flicks became a big a big thing and a thing that was utilised a lot, there was often goalies that in a shorty, as soon as the ball got pushed out, they would just lie down. <laughs> and I just feel like that's so dumb. <laughs> You know, well, well it, I mean, it serves its purpose, I suppose, but there is a thing called gravity that when you pop the ball up, it does go down. So, you know, you're simply just a hill that we've got to pop the ball over, really. It's dumb to go down because it's, it's, you know, you're exposing your weak, weak spot, which is the time it takes you to get back up. Yeah, and a lot of goalkeepers do struggle to get back up. Um, yeah, it's really pretty, funny. Some are pretty good. Some are pretty good. Some are, some uh, are I'm that coach that while my goalie is standing up, I'm that coach that goes and just taps her so she falls down again <laughs> just for the fun of it. It's one of those things I can't resist. <laughs> well, I once had a goalie where we had to actually carry him out into the goals because he couldn't stand up in the gear. So um, that was a problem in itself. Um, and we only play. I, mean, I must say, I have all respect in the world for goalies. I've, on two occasions in my life, had to kit up as a goalie because our team didn't have one, and they were like, Simone, you're the craziest, go kit up, you know, um, once indoor and once outdoor. But so I've got, I've got, you know, the world's respect for what they do and their skill. Um, but yeah, don't be dumb, you know. Yeah, well, that particular game I'm referring to with that goalie that had to be propped up, basically, we, um, we had to prop him up. We played with seven players on the field with the goalie as the eighth. Uh, and we won the game seven yeah. three against a team that had a full squad of eleven. Yes, sir. With a blind, he just stood there. He could, he could, he couldn't go down. He couldn't if because if he went, he did went down. It was down. He went down by because he, he fell down. Um, yeah. And they couldn't score against him. They just kept hitting it straight at him. He yeah, did that's move. the problem. They hit it straight at him, and he just knocked it away. It was just ridiculous to watch the whole time. Mm-hmm. We're winning seven three, and I'm standing there looking going to the bench. Looking at the other bench down the other going, is it to say, this should be easy for you? We've only got seven players yeah. on the field. What are you doing? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, but those things do happen. Uh, but yeah. that takes us off penalty corners. Um, how important is line of sight in a pen, in a defensive battery for penalty corner? How important is that line of sight? For the goalie. Yeah. Extremely important. If you break the goalie's line of sight, yeah, you're stuffed unless they shoot wide of the goals. Um, so that's why I'm saying, yeah, there is a certain a certain amount of consideration that needs to be put into um, how comfortable the goalie is and where she stands and all that. Um, so, yeah, that's where you, you your goalie needs to have the confidence to tell your players, okay, look, don't run there because I can't see anything. You know, and the worst as a coach is to be standing on the side and hearing in the shorty, I can't see, move, I can't see, you know, yeah, which all, you do sometimes here. We've all had so, that experience. Yeah. So, there is, yeah, it's definitely important. Obviously, if the goalie can't see, then, uh, yeah, 
your team's very confident that they're not going to let it pass them, I guess. Well, I once had a goalie that turned around and told the defender <laughs> because she couldn't see. She turned around and said to the defender, you run in my you run in my line again. See this little see this kicker down here. It's going to be it's going to be surgically inserted in the part of your body that you don't want it to be. So, you know that was that was the response. Goalies can be very intense. They're like okay, me as a striker, are often during during the normal field of play, not in the shorty obviously, but during the field of play, I'm that person that stands on the goalie. Literally, I stand next to it. Like I can, you know, so. And, and that confuses the hair guard of goalies sometimes because they're like, what? I don't mark. And then their defender is standing right next to them as well. And or I stand just in front of them, you know, and I don't I, – I completely mark myself almost out of the game in the sense that I'm not going to get the ball, but my sole purpose is to distract the goalie because I just move wherever she does and I stay in front of her. And – uh it, it, it takes their mind off of the game quite a lot. So, yeah. Well, our uh, our partner from the, the Great Sports Debate is online and he's just said, hey, Simone. Kieran's just hey, Kieran. hey, Simone. So um, he'll be joining us on Thursday for Thursday's show um, when we'll be sitting down for another Great Sports Debate. So uh, Kieran will be with us then. Um, I guess the next thing is, Okay, from a defensive point of view, they got the ball, they managed to stop the situation. What do you want them to do with it next? So this is where the rest of the this, this strategy needs to come in, where you've got basically this is where your team needs to know each other and know what the what the you know uh, the strategy is for going forward. So basically you've got your two high hanging strikers the way I play. You've got your two high-hanging strikers that go all the way to the attacking goals and they stand on the baseline, ready and aware of what's happening, though. And then you've got another two that basically rush just till about the outside, wide outside lines of the 25. Um, And they are basically ready for as soon as we've gotten the ball, for the ball to be passed out to them on the line and then the strikers that are deep lead towards the ball and lead in front of the defender and get the ball, you know, from down the line. And then it becomes an attack. And then the people, the rest of the players that were left there, once that's happening, form part of the attack going forward. Um, Kieran's put in a message here. I've got no idea what he's meaning. Um, Let's see. It's probably got absolutely nothing to do with what we're... Actually, it has got absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, Did you walk the bear... And did Jerome send you footage of aerial ping pong? Did I walk the bear? Yeah. The bear? Yeah. I didn't walk a bear. We don't even have bears in South Africa. It's Kieran being his usual. uh... And, yeah, Jerome did send me the stuff of all of those stupid sports that aren't sports. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'll I'll reserve my opinion of it. Until we get on to, is it a sport? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. She doesn't think AFL is a sport. So there you go, Kieran. There's your answer. If you're confused, go and watch the great sports debate from last week. <laughs> Just set aside like two hours of your life for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, keep this week, uh, we'll keep this week's show shorter. Um, is yeah. there any last minute, looking back, looking, getting back to penalty corners, is there any last thing that we 
we haven't covered that you think is an important thing? Um, no, to summarize it, I would basically just say focus on not overcomplicating it. Because, like I said, and I don't feel like it's an optimistic goal to have in mind to have an 80% conversion rate. It's literally a free shot at goal. Take the ball and put it in that little square thing called the goal box. That's all. Mm. And so, yeah, don't overcomplicate it. It is, it is, it is, it, it is in theory a free shot on goal. It is a free shot on goal. It should be simple. It should be straightforward. It should be easy to do. Um, and, and it should be an expectation that you, you are looking to convert as high as possibly you can. Um, and I've always had my teams, I've always said, I've always said to them, I want, I want that conversion rate to, to be up there. Uh, I probably need to be a little bit higher now, seeing as you, you've said. Up there, you 50 to 60%. <laughs> you need to see. for the stars. You've reset the target. <laughs> you've reset the target on me now. Um, but you're right. You know, it, it's a simple and straightforward thing. There should be no... It should be relatively easy. Um, yeah. How much time do you spend in training practicing it? Both. At least once a week, whether you're having two training sessions or three training sessions or whatever a week, at least once a week you want to just run through it at least. At the start of the season, obviously, you spend a lot more time on it. Um, but as the season goes, you know, just run through it once a week just to refresh your memory of it and that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, there we are, folks. And, and again, another great episode. And, and thank you to everyone who's been watching online. Uh, mm. And thank you to everyone who's been contributing online. Uh, in particular, our friend from the Great Sports Debate, uh, Kieran, that made absolutely no sense, as always. Um, <laughs> don't worry, there's a comment coming here. Um, and we look forward to... Uh, we'll catch you all again... Um, obviously next week for next week's uh, next week's sports coaching insights, but we'll also catch Simone. We'll catch you again on Thursday. Uh, for yeah. The sports debate. You'll be joining us again with myself and Kieran, uh, where I'm, I would imagine Kieran um, will explain his comment there probably a bit, bit uh, within a bit more detail. Um, yeah. And there's obviously okay. some other things. Uh, uh, oh, Anyway, I'm not. I'm not. He's made another comment there. I'm. I'm not even going to try and uh, continue the the conversation with that one. Uh, we'll, We've got the, our first birthday coming up. Yes, Woo-hoo. we will talk about our first birthday is coming up. Uh, just a just over a week away now. Um, on the just about ten days. About yeah. ten days. So our first birthday is coming up. So that we're looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And um, we'll have all our programs as normal, sports coaching insights and all that during the week, but we'll also have, obviously, the, um, the first birthday celebrations as well. I'm going to uh, go insane for 24 hours. <laughs> I'm going to go insane for 24 hours, folks, while we showcase grassroots sport around the world. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, thank you to everyone that's been a part of today's show. Uh, thank you again to Simone. Um, thank, you. thank you. again to all our contributors, and we will catch you for another Sports Coaching Insights next week. And we'll catch you with Kieran and Simone again on Thursday for the Great Sports Today. Thanks, everyone. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bye. And that's over.